something shifted and I surprised myself. I, I want to make it really clear. I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be sheer misery and suffering the whole time. And I thought it was going to be really hard. I want to make that really clear to everybody listening. It's not like I'm some superhuman who's just like, yeah, I'm doing it. I, I thought it was going to be terrible. And I surprised the heck out of myself because something you always say is give yourself the opportunity. And I gave myself the opportunity and it was really hard and scary. And I cried a lot beforehand, but I did it anyway. And I surprised myself because I had been doing the work for so long, so consistently that my brain and my body were like, yeah, go. Like, you don't have to keep stopping. Like, you just go to where you want to go. Just do it. Welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. I want to tell you about something that I recently discovered and I absolutely love, Branch Basics. I'm so excited to share this with you because Branch Basics offers non-toxic cleaning products that actually work. And this is something that I can get behind because I truly believe that toxins can negatively contribute to our physical and our mental health. And I'm a huge fan of ditching the toxins and living as naturally as possible. Because these products are non-toxic, fragrant-free, and pure, it really makes me feel safe and at peace with what I'm using inside of our home. And I use these products on everything. <laughs> I'm talking countertops, laundry, floors, toilets, and even in the dishwasher. So if you're wanting to make the switch and toss the toxins, check out Branch Basics and use code AHEALTHYPUSH at checkout for 15% off. Or just grab the link in the show notes. All right, today I have a guest with me that I did some coaching with, and I'm just so excited to have her here. So her name is Steffi, and I'm going to have her introduce herself, but before I do, I just want to say this is the first sort of coaching call I've done that's like live and just showing you the actual journey that people go through. And I'm so excited for you to hear her story and for her to share with you just like the incredible work that she's done. So Steffi, welcome to Healthy Push Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. What an amazing introduction. <laughs> um, yeah, I did a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with you back in April of this year, uh, recording in November now, and been on a journey and I'm really excited, really excited to talk about the tools I've developed and how I've gotten to where I've gotten to um, yeah. provide some hope. Oh, I'm so excited. So I obviously know you a little bit, but just for everyone listening, like just tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> sure. Um, just like me and my personality or like my journey? Yeah. Let's not talk <laughs> about anxiety quite yet. Okay. I love it. I love it. Um so I am Steppy Kamei. I am an actor specializing in immersive theater, and I'm also a writer and a poet. So I'm very bohemian, very bohemian. And um, I, oh my gosh, what else is there to say? I grew up in California in, the, in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, 
I lived in LA for most of my 20s, moved back to the Bay Area as, uh, during the pandemic, which was part of the journey we're going to talk about in a little bit. And I am now once again living in beautiful, sunny Los Angeles. Ah, so yeah. good. So you're going to get to hear it all, obviously. But Steffi, let's start with when you came to me in April, like take us back and maybe you might even have to go a ways back from there. But like, what were things looking like? Like, why did you reach out to me? Where were you at? Yeah. So in April of this year, I was about six or seven months into my recovery journey from agoraphobia. Going back a little farther, you know, I've been dealing with panic attacks since I was a teenager. I didn't know what they were for a long time. Um, I thought I, I really didn't know what they were. I thought they were like a moral failing on my part or a weakness. But by my early 20s, I figured out what panic attacks were. And most of my 20s consisted of me, I'm using air quotes here, like randomly getting them and then taking a Xanax and then falling asleep and then rinse and repeat. And it wasn't as sustainable as I thought. I wasn't functioning as well as I thought I was, you know, for a very long time. Um, and it really got really bad in 2019. I was uh, just a lot of aspects of my life weren't going so great. Um, on bad relationship, bad career, it, things were just really not feeling well. I was feeling very stuck. And um, so I was starting to have panic attacks every day, which was new for me. And Xanax was no longer cutting it for me. And then it was just getting worse and worse. My world was getting smaller and smaller. And then the pandemic happened. And I think that really totally shrunk my world even more. And for the first time, I became housebound, which I had never experienced before. And I, But still, I didn't know what it was for like a year. I didn't know what agoraphobia was. And I couldn't figure out why I was so scared to leave my house, why it was so hard to stand in line to get milk at the store, why I couldn't walk my dog because I was scared of my heart rate elevating up the hill. I, I just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Um, and then it was finally summer of 2021 when I uh, figured out what agoraphobia was. And, I, and it, it felt it was hard to, 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 to see that diagnosis pop up. But I knew it was right, and then I could start recovering. And so September 2021 is when I really committed to um, exposure work and facing the hard things and baby, baby steps. So by the time that you and I met in April of this year, as I said, I was about six to seven months into my recovery journey, and I had made a lot of progress, but and I had been following your account since that last September when I was... Um, uh, first starting recovery. And I remember thinking, okay, she seems very relatable and seems like she really understands what this is. And she recovered. So I think I can too, if she can. Um, but I hadn't reached out or anything. And then it got to a point where in my day-to-day -day life, I was doing pretty well, but I really wanted to travel and I really wanted to move back to Los Angeles. Um, but I, I just was having the hardest time leaving the safe bubble, the comfort zone, even though I wasn't happy there. Yeah. So I needed a healthy push. And like that <laughs> resonated. I was like, that's exactly what I need. It was like a lightning bolt. Of it. Oh my God, I've got to reach out to her. And that's, that's where I was when we had our session. Yeah. Oh, it's so good when you have that moment, right? Mm -hmm. Of like 
this this is for me and I know it. Mm-hmm. And I love how you said I couldn't figure out what was wrong with mm-hmm. me, right? Because I think a lot of people go through it for months and even years and have no idea what yes. is going on. And it's not really right, like the diagnosis or the label, right. or, but it, it helps you to understand, yes. oh gosh, okay, th- this is a thing. And yes. I can start educating myself and start figuring out how to move forward. Mm-hmm. So I remember our session very vividly. Oh, um, <laughs> can you talk to us about where you were at? Because I remember... And correct me if I get anything wrong, but I remember you had been living in LA and you moved back to the Bay Area and specifically you moved back into your parents' house, right? Mm-hmm. To your mom's yes. house. Yes. And I remember like you were going through some really tough stuff. Like yes. even then you had worked through a lot, but can you talk to us about like what did that look like? Because I know leaving like having all these thoughts, these feelings, you still had a lot of that stuff going on. So like, talk to me, what did it look like? Yeah, I did. I was, I was really struggling with a lot. So I had been living in LA. I grew up in the Bay Area, but I've been living in the Bay Area for about, sorry, living in LA for like eight years and I loved it. Um, But the anxiety in 2020 got so bad. Like I just, every, the only place that I felt some relief was my mom's house in the Bay Area. And it was very frustrating because, and this is probably a conversation for a different topic, right? I can ease into it a little bit. My mom and I don't have the healthiest relationship. She's not the healthiest parent, unfortunately. And so it was confusing to me because I was like, this isn't really a safe place, but this is the only place where I am having some relief from these symptoms that are driving me insane. And I don't know what they are, but this is the only place where they're a little calmer, like 80% instead of 100 so I guess I've got to move back home. Like, I I don't know. It was really, it was awful. It was. Um, and like none of my friends live up in the Bay Area anymore. So I was very isolated in a place I wasn't happy. But my body was just the slightest bit calmer. And that was mm-hmm. at that time what like all I could focus on, you know. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. So that's why I was there. And I felt very, very, very stuck very stuck. And um, now I'm grateful for all the work I did there, but this is me mostly on the other side of it. But the time, yeah, it felt really, really dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love for people to really hear, and this is hard for me sometimes too, to talk about about my own recovery. And part of it is because once you start to move beyond it, it's like, the brain kind of starts forgetting really how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you really do. And you feel like you will never get to that place where Mm -hmm. you're like, I call BS because like, like you don't remember. Right. But you know, when you're so in it, Mm -hmm. like, do you remember what some of the thoughts were and some of the feelings were that you were really having when you were trying to, you know, when you moved back home, you were trying to leave the house, you were, like doing things, what were some of the things that were really coming up? I really felt I was going to be stuck there the rest of my life. I thought I would never be able to leave my childhood bedroom. Um, I really thought I was going to never be able to go farther than an hour for, I never thought, and what was hard for me was like nighttime away, like sleeping somewhere else at night was the big, scary 
scary thing. And so I could do day trips like a couple hours away, but I'd always have to come back before the sunset. And I thought that was going to, I was very convinced that was going to be my life. Very limited like that. Maybe I would be able to, to live in an apartment down the street from my mom's house one day. Uh, at best, that's what I could hope for. That's, that is truly what I was thinking. Um, I, yeah, it felt very stuck, very, very hopeless. It's a very uh, resonant word, I think, for this, mm-hmm. when you're in the thick of it. Yeah, I do remember that. So what do you, I know everyone asks me a sort of this million dollar question and I never have like this great wondrous answer that I feel like people are looking for, but what do you feel like was a turning point or some, something that really helped you to start to shift things? Like, was there something, not to say there's, you know, one big moment (laughs) where you woke up and you're like, that's it. But what are some of the things that kind of like helped you to really make it, make a change in a different direction? Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be great if there was one very simple answer that we could (laughs) package and be like, here you go. Um, just do this. (laughs) Just do this one easy thing. It's, I do believe it is time and consistency. And because what's happening is you're undoing old habits, which takes time. And then you're rebuilding new habits, which takes time. So, um, And I think starting small was key because I was trying the early days, I was trying to make a five, seven to seven hour drive to Los Angeles and freaking out 30 minutes into the drive and then getting mad at myself for it. And it's, it was very, it felt very humiliating to be honest that I couldn't do that anymore, putting that in air quotes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I finally got humbled enough and I started small by driving around my block. And that was hard. And I accepted that it was hard. And something you say frequently, let it be hard. Like, that's okay. Like, it is hard for now. And it was until it wasn't. And I just kept building slowly and consistently. So I think just allowing yourself the grace with time because you're doing such important work. As I said, you're, you're unlearning and you're relearning and you're building. And this isn't just something that, is one little life skill you're learning. This is so beneficial for the rest of your life. So, you know, I am very grateful I gave myself the time and I'm still doing so. I'm still not pushing myself to do, to go to like Europe tomorrow. Like, you know, like that's going to happen in time. Um, And I don't, it's like all those platitudes, like slow and steady wins the race. I'm living proof of it, living proof of it, that I took the time. I said no to a lot which felt very scary and hard, but I made it to my destination. So it's yeah. okay. And I, I don't think I could if I hadn't done that. So okay, like live in that time, wherever you are, meet yourself where you're at. It feels bad initially, but very quickly, once you do that, you realize that that's exactly the right path and the right way. And doors unlock and things start to click so much easier and then you start being in flow and the work starts working for you. Oh, the work starts working for you. My gosh, like that's so good. And like you just dropped so many amazing pieces of wisdom that I know people needed to hear. I think in in the big picture, right, there's this acceptance that has to happen of like, it's okay that this is where I'm at. Yes. You know, and, and not 
continuing on with these stories, right, of Mm -hmm. this is where I'm at and this is going to be the rest of my life. Yes. You know, like you said, it's okay that it's hard right now, for now. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't what the rest of my life is going to look like. And accepting this is where I'm at. It's okay that this is where I'm at. Yes. But also too, right, like this is not where I'm going to stay. So I'm going to make these very conscious, consistent, small steps. Like, I am actually going to do the work and I'm going to be patient with myself mm-hmm. and I'm just going to see. I love all of this. I mean, you really have embodied everything that I teach and it's just really amazing to see it like in action. And so, of course, I'm really curious. You filled me in a little bit, but I I can't wait to dive into this, you know, what things are now looking like for you because to go from really being convinced, like, this is going to be the rest of my life, I am going to be stuck in this bedroom that I grew up in, mm-hmm. at best, you know, I'm going to live a couple miles from my house, and now you're, you left the Bay Area, you're back in LA, you look so happy. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so I just want to hear, like, what did all that look like? Like, how did you actually get from the Bay Area back to LA? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> so, and just to circle back super quickly, if I were to distill that, like use the word is acceptance. Yes. If there's any like distilled, put this in a pretty bow and wrap it up acceptance. Okay. Um, I just want to put a pin in that because it feels very important. So okay. how did I accomplish this goal? Which was my number one goal in agoraphobia recovery and panic disorder and agoraphobia recovery. This was my number one goal. Um, so, you know, I started recovering, September of 2021 is when I really figured out what was wrong with me and began the journey. And um, the whole time, you talk a lot about having a why, like why are you recovering? And it's true. Like you don't, you don't want to willingly do hard things if there's not a strong enough why, because this work is really hard and you don't want, you know, you're gonna be uncomfortable. And if you don't have a strong why, it's like, I'm not gonna do that. But my why, I had a few whys, the big, big one was I have to come back to Los Angeles. It's my chosen home. All my friends are there, my support system, my career. I, I love it there. And it was a very strong why. It was my strong enough why to keep me going on my journey um, in the Bay Area. So I, I, every day I did exposure work. There were no days off. And that's not in an unkind, like forcing myself way as much as I, I knew I had to, I knew it was worth it. And every time I, once I, once you figure out how to face your fears and change your relationship to the thoughts and the symptoms in the right way, it's kind of addicting in an interesting way. Cause you, it's like a puzzle you've solved and you're like, yeah, I can, let me solve a puzzle again. And so it became my life's work. It became my full-time job because panic was already my full-time job. I might as well do it constructively. Right. So that's what happened. And it was just daily but I didn't push myself beyond my limits. I, I knew how to, when I was done for the day. Right. So, um, it was just a year of that. And the steps were very small. Literally some of my earliest exposures were driving around my block, not feeling good at all. Um, one of my earliest exposures was literally looking out my window at night because I was so scared of the dark all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was, that was one of my earliest exposures, literally sitting at my window and looking at the dark until I, until it was like getting too intense um, and working through that. 
and it just it builds it builds um it is kind of slowly but all at once which is really interesting so for a year that was it and by around september of this year so about a year into my recovery i was i started working outside of the house again which felt great it i had to work through some things i had moments where i wanted to flee but i knew i had the tools and i worked through it so i was getting back into life again about a year into it all the while being like okay this is fine like i'm working a job that it's that's nice in a in a part of the world that's nice but i don't want to be here uh, <laughs> so and i kept saying like i think october is going to be a good month for me to be in la i think i can make it by then and i since since our talk actually in april i was telling myself october that was my goal but then october was kind of flying by when this job i was doing up at the bay and i was like but that's a little scary and hard. And I've never got <laughs> two hours from here. And uh, I don't know. Um, but it just became really clear that I had done the work and I had the tools and it was probably, I was just feeling this deep into, that's, that's another great thing about this journey is you learn the difference between your anxiety and your intuition. Anxiety is loud and changes constantly. Like this, 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 no, this, this, this. Intuition is very quiet and calm and consistent. And so I kept hearing a voice throughout October. You're ready. You're ready. Yeah. And I, I, it wasn't, I just knew it was intuition, but it was still scary. I like, I want to make it very clear. I wasn't like, cool, time to go. I was freaking terrified. And, and I, I remember um, having lots of freak outs about it and going, no, I'm not, there's no way, but it kept, it kept calling. Like this voice kept happening all month. Like you, you can, you really can. And it was not anxious. It was very calm and consistent for weeks. And so my job was wrapping up at the end of October. And so that weekend I was like, okay, I think what's going to happen because I was so scared. You guys, I really like, I'll, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I was so scared to do this. I had never gone farther than two hours from my house in like a year and a half. So I was like, okay, I think I'm going to slowly make my way down the coast. Just a little geography lesson, right? Bay Area is Northern California, LA is Southern California. There's a, there's different routes you can take. And I was like, I think I'm just going to like, and each day I'll like drive 30 to 40 minutes down and then just settle for a few days. And I thought it was going to be this grand long journey. And I was telling my friends about it and they're like, that's kind of fun. And you're a writer. You can like write a book about it one day about your great journey down the coast to your you're the town you want, the, the city you want to live in. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I was prepared to like be a beatnik rider down the California coast for like a month or maybe more. Here's what actually happened. <laughs> um, I drove from uh, the Bay Area to Salinas, which is about an, it was about an hour, hour and a half drive south. And I stopped there for the night on October 30th. And I was like, okay, and then I'm going to drive another hour or so down until I feel it's a little too much, and then I'll stop there. And then, so the next morning was Halloween, which is my favorite holiday, and I drove, I drove uh, about two hours to what I thought was going to be my next destination for that day. And the first hour of the drive was hard. It was not the worst panic I've ever experienced in my life, but it was hard. And I just had to tell them, because it's a lot of like barren, empty land and gets to me a lot and I was I was dreading it I had a lot of anticipatory anxiety about it oh I should say really quick the night before leaving for this grand adventure I sobbed to my best friend on the phone saying I can't do it I can't do it I can't do it and he knows me well enough to go this is anticipatory anxiety yes you, this is just part of it and I realized this is part of it this is just part of it it doesn't mean anything 
it's just something that's part of the, it's like step two of step five of doing this. So, okay. So I welcomed it. So Halloween morning, I'm doing this drive through these barren empty lands, very wide open spaces, not a fan. And I just had to do a lot of accepting and allowing. Like, okay. Yep. I can panic on this highway. I, if I have to, I can pull over. I can, and I can panic and I can handle it. And I just, it's like releasing steam from a kettle, you know, and it just, it was, so I was able to get through and then something shifted <laughs> and my, my intuition, my body, whatever, my body or whatever took over and went, you can go another five hours to LA. And I went, really? Like I had a conversation with, I went, really, really, are we ready for this? And I just was like, yeah. Yeah. And so I texted my friends in LA cause they were all expecting me in like a month. And I was like, Hey, um, I think I'm going to be there in like five hours, question mark, question mark. And they were like, yeah, let's go. We'll meet you in North Hollywood where you've got your, you know, your uh, Airbnb booked and everything. And I was like, okay. And I just, something shifted and I surprised myself. I, I want to make it really clear. I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be sheer misery and suffering the whole time. And I thought it was going to be really hard. I want to make that really clear to everybody listening. It's not like I'm some superhuman who's just like, yeah, I'm doing, I, I thought it was going to be terrible. And I surprised the heck out of myself because something you always say is give yourself the opportunity. And I gave myself the opportunity and it was really hard and scary. And I cried a lot beforehand, but I did it anyway. And I surprised myself because I had been doing the work for so long, so consistently that my brain and my body were like, yeah, go. Like, you don't have to keep stopping. Like, you just go to where you want to go. Just do it. Yeah, and I yeah. did. And I arrived in the city that I love on my favorite holiday um, just a few weeks after turning 30 years old. And it was really joyous in the past two weeks. I've been here now. I've been the most joyous. Everybody, even you just said, like, you look really happy. I'm like, I am because I'm in the city I love, surrounded by my chosen family and so that was the journey. That was the journey. <laughs> I, oh, I'm just like blown away because it's just so amazing to see how much you can grow in such a short period of time mm -hmm. and to really change this relationship with anxiety. But more importantly, like you hit on something so good and so important is changing this relationship with yourself where you're no longer listening to the loud thing yes. and you're listening to your intuition, to yourself. Like yes. you're making those decisions based off of, I really want this for myself and I want to do this. And I don't think that I'm capable. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's probably going to be terrible and I'm just going to do it anyway. And, you know, I think this is a piece that's so hard for people. And this is definitely something that I'm like, I'm going to have to talk about now is knowing like that you do have this part of you, mm -hmm. this intuition that speaks to you and you really have to listen because mm -hmm. it will help to guide you. And when you stop listening so much to the loud, yeah. obnoxious anxiety, yeah. things become so much more straightforward. You start to just act on like your truth, the things that are really important for you, the things that you're meant to be doing. Yes. So I, I want to talk about, because I think you mentioned something really important too, and that you were doing exposures consistently and you said, 
every day. And you know, I'm, I love that, but I think, you know, I'm also the, the person that's telling you, you don't have to do them every day. Yeah. The traditional way that I think people are heard or taught to do them. But I think the really important thing that you mentioned was I wasn't forcing myself yes. to do the things and I was not doing it in an unkind way. And that like is so big because that's the difference mm-hmm. between it being productive and just a type of hard that is not productive and going to lead yes. to anything but more misery and pain. Absolutely. I'm I'm glad you circled back to that because I do want to make that clear. Like it was it very quickly I realized how unproductive it was to not have it be to have it be an unkind thing where you're forcing yourself because you should or you mm-hmm. have to you should be over this by now or whatever i i did realize very quickly that's not that's that's just making it worse actually that's not it like um what am i trying to say here coming at it with love versus fear yeah. um so it's also been a journey of self-love which is something i've not had in a very long time and it's been an amazing I'm getting teary now. It's just been amazing to have that. And that's part of it is not. So I did do them every day, but it wasn't like I was, you know, forcing myself. It's more, it felt right and aligned with my values, even if they were small exposures, even if it was very like little blips, like very good to get through, like very relatively easy to get through um, in that sense, just because I wanted, I knew I had things to do and places to go and people to see literally. So, but yeah, I didn't, there were many things I backed out of because I realized that's not really aligned with my values. That would just be like pushing myself in a way that doesn't really make sense for my values or my, I'm still making progress. Um, so I'm really glad you struggled. Like, that's very important. It's very important to, to keep in mind. Like you're still in when you're, you say this all the time too, is even when you're resting, you're still healing. And that's so true because think about how hard it is for us to rest, how much we feel we have to be productive and pushing so resting is kind of a radical act of self-care. Oh, <laughs> um, so big. Like, and it's so funny that you mentioned that because my coach just said to me the other day, Shannon, for you, not doing is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, resting. Okay. I, I study linguistics. Resting ends in ING, which is a verb. So you are doing something. Right. Drop that right there. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so good because it's so hard for us. A lot of the journey is unlo- unlearning. Like, yes not doing so much and allowing yourself to rest. So I remember when we chatted, you know, back in April, it was like, I could feel the pressure that you were putting on yourself. And I was like, gosh, this is, this is why she's so stuck right now. And Mm -hmm. you had that moment right on your own. And it's just so beautiful of I'm, I can't keep doing this. Like, I'm not going to keep putting the pressure on myself. I'm not going to keep forcing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just lean into myself a little bit, start trusting myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's so, so big. So I'm curious. I know we chatted a little bit. You shared with me something that I think is really an important piece of this conversation. Since you've been back, you said, you know, things have been so good and you've been so happy. And obviously it didn't come without some some hard moments. But, yeah. you know, over the past couple of weeks, I know you said you went through something really tough. So do yeah. you mind sharing that Absolutely. part? I would love to share this um, because I think it's really important to hear. So, yeah, it's been a very joyful two weeks, but um, 
two days after I arrived, uh, a family member passed away back home. Talk about, <laughs> I'm not even going to say an exposure, talk about an agoraphobe's worst nightmare, um, getting life-changing once every few decades horrible news while you're away from home for the first time since your recovery. Um, it happened, guys. It happened to me. <laughs> I'm still alive. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to talk about because my first thought, and this is how selfish anxiety disorders can be. My first thought was, okay, do I have a panic attack here? Because I was in my friend's apartment when I got the news. Do I do, it, do I have a panic attack in my friend's apartment? Do I go back to the Airbnb and have a panic attack? Do I drive back home for seven hours and have a panic attack for seven hours? Do I get on a plane and have a panic attack? And I haven't even been on a plane yet. I haven't even done that part of my recovery journey yet. Um, and I was like, that, it's so like, that was my first, those were my thoughts. And then I just slowed down because I had all the tools and I'd said, I am going to pause and allow myself to feel everything. And because I did that, I was okay. I had feelings come up. And here's the thing that's really interesting. I'm going to say this and try and clarify. I, I never really had a panic attack about it, which doesn't mean it would have been bad if I did. I would have, well, because here's what happened is I remember telling myself, yeah, you can have a panic attack, Steppy. Something really big just happened and you're still, you know, away from home and it's very new. You can totally panic right now. You should be panicking right now. And because I was so allowing, like it didn't really happen. Um, yeah because I just kept the, the, the channel open, I guess. And I just really was with myself and like, yeah, of course I'm feeling grief. Of course I'm feeling confusion. Of course I'm feeling guilt and sadness and all sorts of things and anxiety. Um, of course I'm feeling it. I just really val. It was, it was a, a, a process of validating everything that came up, which is a tool I learned recovering from panic and agoraphobia and look how it serves all other aspects of your life. And I feel like I was able to move through that very hell. I, I, once again, I surprised myself with how well I moved through it. Um, I was shocked and I, it's like, I knew I could trust myself to take care of myself and my emotional state and be with myself. And so it was not any more horrible than it had to be. There was not any added suffering. It was a healthy experience. And yeah, so it was, yeah. I'm here to tell you, even if something like that, even if something like that happens, you can still get through it. I did. Yeah. And I'm still surprised that I, I did, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. It's, it's so amazing when we just allow ourselves to yes. feel what we're yes. feeling. And we don't try to fight it. And we really just acknowledge this is the healthiest thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said, I just gave myself permission. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so important because I think, you know, that that response that you probably would have had before would have been more like, uh-uh, do yes. not panic right now. Yes. This cannot happen. Like, you will not be able to handle it. Yes. And you were just like, no, I I. I trust myself. Like I can do this. I've got the tools. Like that's exactly right. Yeah. So I love that you mentioned the bit about getting on an airplane. Like I haven't <laughs> even done that yet. I'm not quite there. <laughs> and we talked about this a little bit, but I think that this is also a really important thing to mention is 
at what point, right, are you going to sort of accept, right? There's so many levels of acceptance that we move through mm-hmm. of like, yeah, maybe maybe I'm there. And maybe I'm not like at the point where I'm going to like make this bold statement of Steffi's recovered. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's not Steffi has to get on the plane and yes. then Steffi's yeah. recovered. Yes. And that's a really cool thing to give yourself to that permission because like we talked about, you could get on the plane, right? And it could be a shit show. (laughs) (laughs) But that shit show does not mean that you're not recovered. Yes. And that is so important. So I just love for you, I will be so excited, right, when you do get on the plane, Mm -hmm. but it's not this, that does not hold the meaning in your recovery. I agree. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that place where I, I I see that now I'm, I'm maybe putting a little weight on it, but that weight is really reducing. I really hear what you're saying. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I, I, I'm no longer thinking, I don't have that stomach pit in my stomach feeling when I think about getting on a plane. I'm like, it might be challenging. I could surprise myself because I gave myself the opportunity by doing this. And I gave myself the opportunity by sitting with my feelings when my grandpa died and I made it through all of that. So maybe it'll be fine or maybe it won't. And I have an uncomfortable 20 to 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then I'm living my life again. Yes. Um, and it, it's So I, I feel like I'm not going to turn down the next opportunity when the value is strong enough to get on a plane. And I, I know I have the tools. I have the tools. It's not going to mean anything if I do panic, but I could surprise myself and be completely fine. Or I'll probably have some moments and I work through them because that's what I've been doing. And because I've done this work so consistently, it's easier and easier to allow myself instead of being like, you must not panic. You must not panic. It's it my, That's been the big thing for me is how it's changed from you must not panic to I mean, you can, you don't have to. <laughs> and um, that's been the journey. Yeah. Oh, so good. Like this conversation <laughs> is going to be so helpful to so many people. So. And it honestly really just shows if you do, if you do take the consistent small steps, mm-hmm. they will lead you to the really big things. They will lead you to the stuff that you're working so hard for. Yes. And in the interim, it doesn't have to be so hard. Like you can relax a little bit. And like you said, I think one of the most important lessons you've learned, right, is I'm going to make value-based decisions. And like you just said, when the value is there, when the plane ride is worth it, right, when I actually want to do the thing, that's when it will be right. And that is so much of the recovery journey. It is when you move from fear-based decisions to value-based decisions. Like I was just reflecting on the fact that more and more each day I'm making life-based choices as opposed to, will this be okay with my anxiety choices? And it feels really good to make life-based choices again. So freeing. So freeing. Steffi, you're amazing. You are amazing. And I am just so proud of you. And Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And just for everyone out there listening, they're probably listening to my cat right now, scratching (laughs) a chair in the back. But what would you say to somebody who's really could, maybe they're at the point like you were in their bedroom thinking, this is it. This is what the rest of my life is going to look like. Yeah. 
Well, it made me a little emotional because I really was there. Like I promise I really, I'm still pinching myself every morning that I got here. I, um, so a lot of things I could say, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, oh my God, do I mean that? Um, it was bad. I was, I was really housebound. I was, I was room bound. Um, I really think giving yourself time, time, really allowing yourself to commit to recovery and healing because panic is already like a full-time job. So you might as well do it productively. Really allow yourself that this is where, this is your life journey now. Because now I look back and this might sound a certain type of way, but I'm truly thankful for everything I learned and for so long, but when I was in it, I, I was upset that I was in it. I hated where I was. I felt so stuck and I felt like life was going on without me. And I felt like I was detoured from the path. And no, I was, I now know I was on the path. Yes. The obstacle is the way. I needed to learn those lessons. I needed to be in my hometown, actually do some all kinds of life healing. Like I needed this journey because now I have the rest of my life to be alive and free and give back where I can because of that time that I spent thinking I was stuck, but really growing more than I ever have in my entire life. So it's not a detour. It's the most important work you'll ever do and give yourself time um, because it, it's the most important, I believe it's the most important, some of the most important work you'll do in your life. So it's okay that it takes time because you're building a foundation for the big, beautiful house that is your life. Um, yeah. I'm speechless. That is (laughs) just the best, best way to end this. And just, I want to thank you deeply because, you know, you coming on and sharing your story shows more people. It's not just Shannon. Like this is not (laughs) a possibility for Shannon. This is a possibility for, Stuffy and for you know me and for everyone else out there who's struggling and you know you can get to this place and you'll be pinching yourself and being like is this actually my life am I actually living this so thank you for giving people hope and inspiration and actual like steps that they can take so thank you Stuffy thank you for having me on for all the work you're doing to help people I mean you were one of the first people I started following that I really thought if she can do it why can't I like that's such a powerful gift you're giving so we all love you thank you for all the work you do as well and then I get to help do work as well so it's all great it's amazing (laughs) and before I end this episode I want to mention that I'd really appreciate it if you shared this episode or any others with somebody who you feel could benefit from what I share here You sharing these episodes is what helps me to reach and support others who need it. And if you have an extra minute in your day today, I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. I read every single review and this too is what helps me to help more people to heal and overcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at A Healthy Push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.